0: freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith.
1: Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano, is in session.
0: Good Thursday morning from the Iowa Catholic Radio Studios in West Des Moines. I am Deacon Mike Mann, and I'm here with Gina Noel. Gina, how are you this morning? I am
2: well. What a great state fair last week, huh? Yes, it was. It's so yes, sad it that was. it's over. It feels yeah. like summer's done. I,
0: I'm not necessarily sad that it's over. It's, oh, you know, really? I, I can go out there for a short time, and I was out there for a little bit this year, but uh,
2: it, I it was really hot, and my
0: feet got really sore. So oh. <laughs> We went home.
2: I tried a different state fair this year. I was at the Wisconsin State Fair. Okay. A lot dif- Not very much different, but definitely the Iowa State Fair is two thumbs up by comparison. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, the cream puffs, though, amazing. Were they?
0: Yes. I, I tried to stay away from all those fattening foods that oh, raise your blood so sugar. Good. I <laughs> So it means I didn't eat a whole lot while I was out there. We got, I think, a good show today. We have somebody new that's never been with us before, so we have to treat him nice now. Alexander nice. Haberbush, who is from the Lex Rex Institute, we'll find out more about that because we've never had them before. And they're going to talk about, a, he's going to talk about a couple of things that have happened with students in school lately. Uh, one of them that's very concerning is a science campout, a science trip that, students were taken on that turned out to be an LBGT retreat.
2: Exactly. I can't I the a level of deception on this particular uh, story is over the top and I can't wait to hear about how Yeah, this I worked. can't I noticed in the story that the um, the parents that reached out were looking for some help and mm-hmm. um, they uh, reached out to another organization then it was from Phoenix, I believe, and then mm-hmm. they got referred to this institute in California, and um, it's always heartening to know that these organizations are all affiliated. They help yes. each other out. They support each other throughout the country. And and
0: interestingly, I talked to Alexander the other day. He knows Brad Dacus from the Pacific
2: Justice well, Institute I'm sure very he well. Does, yeah, they're yeah. from California. Yeah, although that's right. They're now in a
0: oh, they're all over now. States yeah, states of the United yeah. States. We'll have to get Brad on one. Day. They keep saying that, but. Uh,
2: yeah, we haven't talked to him in a while. He yeah. he always has some very interesting cases that But course, we always have to wake him up early out there because that's right. <laughs> because they're that. not on
0: central time.
2: <laughs> yeah, so this case will be interesting. I and Alexander's handling two cases that we're talking about. Yeah, he's
0: got another today. one there about a little girl, first grader, who wrote on a I, I don't know she did the whole thing herself, it was a Black Lives Matter thing. She wrote on what was it, Any Lives Matter? Any Lives. And she got chastised by her principal and embarrassed in front of the students, and nobody told her parents. They didn't find out until a year later when one of the other parents told them what was going on.
2: Because this first grader, who is now a second grader, was still being persecuted, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, by the administration and her teachers and her classmates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And simply she was trying to express the concern for all of her friends, some of them uh, had brown skin so she wanted to make sure that yeah there's kind of a cute story list. that goes yes,
0: along with that as exactly. to why she it's did adorable. that yeah, yeah and yeah.
2: god bless her and her family hopefully the school will but the offer school the, apology. the
0: school scolded her and uh, embarrassed her in front of her friends and everything and uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that when we get alexander on the phone in a couple of minutes that's right do we have a prayer to open with
2: i do a prayer for peace today in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn to your way of love, those whose hearts and minds are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us all in hope and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you very much, Gina. We will be right back in a couple of minutes with Alexander Haberbush from the Lex Rex Institute. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio.
2: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by CTO. Your support has helped thousands of students attend our Catholic schools. CTOIowa.org. At CTO, the bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
1: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community since 1992. Divine Treasures, 5701 Hickman Road, Des Moines, 515-255-5230. Thank you, Divine Treasures, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we are here right now with Alexander Haberbush from the Lex Rex Institute. um, Hi. Alexander, how are you this morning?
1: Hi, doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh,
0: certainly. Thank you for joining us, getting up early in California to join us and everything. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we start everything later than you, folks. (laughs) That's right. That's right, yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit, since we've not had the Lex Rex Institute on before, nor have we had you, what the Lex Rex Institute is and what you're doing and how people can find you.
2: Of course.
1: Yes. So Lex Rex, uh, you know, kind of a kind of unique name there is actually Latin for the law is king because we're committed to holding public officials and anyone in government accountable to the law. You know, our leaders are not king in this country. The law is our only king and we are a non Profit Constitutional Advocacy Organization. We bring cases on behalf of individuals and organizations to defend constitutional rights. So that includes things like religious rights, free speech rights, Second Amendment rights, separation of powers issues. If it's in the Constitution, you name it, we do it.
0: Okay, and uh, you cover a lot of stuff that uh, we're interested in, too. And uh, I know uh, you are friends out there with Brad Dacus, our friend from the Pacific Justice Institute. You'll yeah, have, Brad and I are good friends. You'll have to say hello from us to him. When, <laughs> right. He was on here so many times when we first started that it was almost like a third member of our team. Yeah,
2: that's a busy organization. Oh, good. yeah, good.
0: yeah.
1: yeah. yeah he, He's got his own show now. I've, I've gone on that a couple times. Um, they, they do really good work over at Pacific Justice. We've worked with them on a number of cases. Um, they're actually helping to fund some of our COVID-19 litigation right now, because, as you may know, out here on the left coast, we've got some fairly draconian COVID-19 restrictions. They've targeted churches, they've targeted small businesses, and of course, they've been forced to bear the brunt of that. So Brad Dick is very,
2: very I imagine it's becoming more popular now that the courts are ruling in favor of Constitutional rights and the COVID laws.
0: Yeah, we've had a couple of. Uh,
1: yeah, well, we were bringing um, them when the courts were ruling against everything. Yeah. so yeah. <laughs> we did it before it was cool, right? <laughs> the tide is turning. Yeah,
0: yeah, you were cool yeah, before it was fantastic. cool to be cool. Yeah, all right. Tell us. Uh, we got a couple of cases we wanted to talk to you about uh, to start off. Uh, one is a little girl with the sign um, "any every life matters" or "any life matters," something like that, uh, who was yeah. scolded sco- sco- for that. If you want to start with that, we can we can do that. Yeah,
1: give us a background. Yeah, so that was actually, it wasn't a sign. It it was a drawing that she had done for one of her friends. She drew it in class, I guess, during free time. It wasn't part of any kind of class assignment. And what it said was Black Lives Matter. Actually, matter was spelled wrong. It was M-A-T-E-R. But it said Black Lives Matter, any life, underneath it. Then it had pictures of different figures that were black, brown, white, yellow, you know, different colors of figures, Pretty clearly a message of tolerance, acceptance, openness. She gave that to her friend. And I guess the friend's parents must have had a few questions about it because they approached the principal of her elementary school and sort of asked what was going on. Why at that point Chelsea, my client, was not involved, we still do not know. We haven't gotten a good answer as to why she was not informed what was going on. Instead, what happened, the principal of this school approached my client's daughter. Seven
2: years And we're years not old, saying the
1: daughter's correct? name. I'm sorry? I mean, she
2: is seven years old. This is a first Seven grade. years
1: old at the time. Yeah. At the time, she was in first grade. So mm-hmm. she approached my client's first grade seven-year-old daughter at recess, and the principal asked her to apologize to the friend in front of about 150 kids on the playground and then told her she was no longer permitted to draw pictures for her friends and that she must sit out of recess for the rest of the day. Now, my client's daughter, whose, whose name we're not saying because sort of, as you can see, What happened in this case was a lot of unwanted attention on somebody for an innocuous statement, so we're not saying her name. But she has pretty severe ADHD, and she kind of treated art as her therapeutic outlet. So mom sees her daughter, who's no longer able to draw pictures for her friend, getting worse and worse, behavioral tendencies getting more and more severe, for about a year, having no idea what's going on, until a friend kind of, by chance, happens to mention what happened at recess, you know, where the daughter was disciplined and punished. Chelsea had no idea prior to that. So, you know, she did what any parent would do. She got a little bit angry, but mostly she messaged the school, um, asked what was going on, talked to the principal. principal refused to answer the questions. So she filed an internal administrative complaint. The response to that administrative complaint was essentially to ridicule Chelsea. They found text messages that were sent, Months after the incident took place, in their response to the complaint, and they just sort of quoted them out of context and said, "Well, you know, you, you seem like one of those fringe people with, with political views that we don't really like, so we're not going to listen to you or care about what you're asking." So, they, sh- Chelsea, you know, she figured she's not going to be able to navigate this on her own. She hired my office, and we're actually being funded by the Gavel Project on this case. Chelsea is not having to pay us out of pocket because Gavel Project generous, generously agreed to fund her case. But we've been sort of going toe-to-toe with the school, trying to get answers here, figure out what went on, and get some sort of reckoning for what happened.
0: Now, what I understand is, and maybe I have uh, some of my understanding wrong, is that uh, uh, the little girl was chastised by the principal, but no information went to the parent until at least a year later or almost a year later the end of the school That's year? That's
1: exactly right. Okay. In fact, information from the school never went to the parent. As I mentioned, it was another parent who was just sort of talking to Chelsea and mentioned that this had taken place. And she was like, what? I, I don't remember any incident with a picture. Um, and then at that point, Chelsea asked some questions to the school, but they never informed her on their
0: own. Okay, so the little girl went home and nobody told her parents, and so she would just left, I guess, to stew on her own.
1: Yeah. Well, and the reason she didn't tell her mom was that she felt, you know, she thought she was going to be punished again when she got home. Mm. She'd been made to feel guilty for something that was totally benign, didn't hurt anybody, you know, a a positive statement of tolerance and acceptance. And that's the sort of thing where she's going to be that much less likely to voice her personal opinions in the future.
2: Yeah,
0: which is, I think, what some people are trying to enforce on us.
2: So what is it that the... um Lex Rex will do to help Chelsea and her daughter in this situation.
1: Yes. So we we filed a claim for damages with the school under the Tort Claims Act. In California, you can't sue the government unless you tell them that you're going to sue them and then wait for a period of time. So so we're currently in that waiting period, but that expires end of this week. And at that point, we'll have no choice but to file a lawsuit because they have been totally uncooperative to any sort of of out-of-court solution here.
0: As they usually are until... Oh, yeah. Until they read the writing on the wall.
2: Alexander, have you found a trend in this particular school district where students uh, besides Chelsea's daughter have been treated in the same manner?
1: You know, yes, but it's not this school district, and it's not even Californian schools. It's every government school. You know, we call them public schools. I think we ought to be more frank about it. They're government schools. And the real problem we see in this country right now is that school administrators have been held largely unaccountable for what they do. You know, I I deal with people in the government every day in the line of work that I'm in. There's nobody who is more confident in their decisions and more confident they will not be forced to give any kind of account for what they do than school administrators. And I really think that's what's going on here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, move on to the other case we wanted to talk about today. If this one is not bad enough, let's talk about the science camp.
2: Also from California. Yeah.
0: Also from California. Yeah, out there, land of fruit and nuts. We don't know if that's an agricultural (laughs) product or if it's a political product, but we know.
1: Yeah, well, they they do tend to, you know, you have to cultivate crops. I think you have to cultivate other fruits and nuts, too, (laughs) and that's what they're using the education system for. You know, it's really, it's become a propaganda camp. And I think that our other case really demonstrates that better than anything else. But I I do want to stress, Mike, that it's not just California where this is going on. I think your listeners can hear what's going on in California and say, well, you know, I'm not in California. I'm isolated from these things. Yeah. That's not true.
0: No, we hear it, echoes it, of it around here, too. So,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going on throughout the whole country. We wish you'd but just keep other, it there. If you're yeah, going yeah, to have to yeah, have it. Yeah, if you <laughs> could
0: keep it there, we'd, we'd appreciate that.
1: Yeah, well, I don't want it anywhere. You know, I think everybody's kids ought to be free from this stuff. But yeah. I, I understand what you mean, you know, because it all starts here and then it boils over to the rest of the country. We've you know, said that you know, many our, times, yeah. Yeah, so our problems what, would stay our own problems. And be, yeah. It might be a little better at least. All yeah. right, <laughs> like the science other, yeah. Yeah, so our other case, uh, it's from Los Alamitos, which for those of you not familiar with California, that's a fairly conservative community in California. You know, voter turnout, I think, was about 10% more conservative than the country on average, uh, if, you, if you span it out over the last seven elections, uh, presidential elections. So fairly conservative area. And uh, what this school does is every year they send their kids to what they call an outdoor science camp. They hadn't done it the past couple of years because of COVID-19, but regularly they send them to an outdoor science camp where they do sort of outdoor sciencey things, whether it's you know, look at nature, collect leaves, run experiments, uh, all sorts of science stuff. What parents were not told was that this year, Outdoor Science Camp, was going to be hosted by... Well, they were told there was a new organization that was going to host it, but they were not told that this organization was sort of a pro-LGBTQ organization. So when fifth grade girls get to this camp, keep in mind, this is a four-day camp. The girls are there for three nights no ability to contact mom and dad while they are there. They're told they will not have cell phones. They are not told how to use any phones at the facilities at this camp. They are sent to this camp for four days, where they are on the very first day introduced to the camp counselors and asked what their preferred pronouns are. A large number of camp counselors, from what I understand, identified with they, them pronouns for themselves individually, not for the group, just me i use they them pronouns this was obviously fairly
0: congratulations you're now a plural
1: right exactly <laughs> i feel i have to clarify that every time maybe <laughs> it's not necessary anymore at this point i don't know but <laughs> but um yeah at any rate these girls were not familiar with that you know they're 10 year old girls they'd never heard of people using they them pronouns before and you know foremost in their mind is this is an overnight camp i'm going to have a camp counselor staying in my room. So one of the little girls, you know, she asks her camp counselor, are you a boy or a girl? Because she doesn't want to stay in the room with a boy. Camp counselor responds, I prefer they, them pronouns. Obviously totally inappropriate. Parents don't end up finding out that the camp was like this until a great deal of time has passed. Uh, One of the lead plaintiffs on this matter, her daughter didn't mention it to her until 10 days after she got back. Just because it was so upsetting to her, she didn't really know how to broach it with mom. When she finally did, of course, you know, all these parents eventually get together. They figure maybe something weird happened here. Um, let's look up this camp. Well, on the first page of Google, you get the, the Yelp reviews, and there's review after review, giving it one star, saying this is an LGBTQ propaganda camp. In the materials the camp itself puts out, you see that they promote LGBTQ issues. Uh, there are pictures of camp counselors that I probably shouldn't describe. On your on your radio program, where you're going to get kicked off the air by the FCC. But <laughs> you know, in their advertising materials, they have this sort of thing. So parents go to the school and they say, you know, what the heck happened here? Uh, we just want some answers. You know, ha- how, why did you pick this camp? Did you know it was like this when you picked it? And you know, most importantly, were our little girls housed with biological men? School comes back, refuses to answer most of those questions, and on the question of the whether or not the girls were housed with men, they say, we are legally prohibited from answering. Okay. Which, of course, is a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed to be a lie when, in about a month later, the school finally does say, no, we're pretty sure that none of your girls were housed with biological men. But really, you know, the issue here in this case, Mike, is the dismissiveness with which they treated oh, yes. the parents who cared about their kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, that's typical of the past one I was talking about, too, that the case with Chelsea Boyle. Is, these school administrators do not think they have to give an account to anybody. So, in this one, we've actually already filed our lawsuit. Things got a little bit bungled at the court, so we don't have a case number on that yet. We should be getting that today, I believe. Okay. Um, we actually may have that by the time this show goes on the air. But uh, in that case, really what we want at this point are answers. We submitted a series of public records requests to them, those public records requests got largely ignored. The responses that we got were woefully inadequate. So we're trying to compel additional responses. So sure, we can because out exactly the school
0: and the school officials tend to look at parents as the enemy. Oh, yeah. They they want to yeah. take over the kids, and they want to divide the kids from their parents, ultimately. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah and unfo- that's what we want to combat.
0: Uh, unfortunately, we've seen this uh, play out before in a lot of places, uh, some of them around here, some of them on the other coast, but, yeah, it's happening all over.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: Alexander, how old, what's the age range of the girls in this uh, situation?
1: They're fifth-grade girls, so 10 to 11 years old.
2: So that's an age where you you would expect that they're not, um, have not been exposed to this kind of material or information or... Um, Right. Yeah. Right. And this, well, and is even
1: more significantly than that, you know, the state of make of California may feel, sorry, state of California may feel that it's really important to teach this stuff to kids.
0: Yeah, and and that, that's,
1: you know, I'm not going to say whether or not that is a good idea. I think your your listeners probably know my opinion on that. What's important is that they inform parents and allow parents the ability to opt out. When they don't tell you what sort of camp this is. Parents are robbed of that ability, and that's the problem here.
2: So is this camp something uh, perhaps that the taxpayers have funded?
1: Uh, In part, yes. So parents were asked to make a a contribution to pay for that camp, um, but I think it is subsidized in part by the the school district, um, which is actually, you know, we've been negotiating with the school, trying to come up with some kind of settlement. I think their insurer is telling them, settle with these parents, But they're so stubborn, they came back to us. The settlement they offered was a refund of the price of the tickets, which we don't consider that a settlement. We think that's an insult. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's
1: why we're forced to litigate. We
0: are are running out of time here, so we're going to have to Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, that's (laughs) all right. This is an enjoyable um, uh, visit. Informative, Uh, anyway. Your website is LexRex.org, correct? That's correct.
1: L-E-X-R-E-X.org. Anybody anybody who wants any more
0: information... Uh, can contact you through that website and also follow what you're doing out there.
1: Yeah, that's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, If if you want to learn more about what we're doing, we do put out a podcast. On constitutional law, you're trying to preserve it. Because the Constitution hasn't been taught in this country for 80 years. Right. And a lot of what we're seeing in schools is a result of a failure of constitutional education. That's so we're trying to fill in that gap. We have, we have a podcast that does that. We have videos on YouTube. We've got articles. So check us out. You know, you can learn a little bit about the Constitution and uh, defend it while you're at it. So That's right.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alexander, for everything you do out there and for joining us today. And we will have you back.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Certainly. Thank you. You're listening to Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio. We'll be back in just
2: a minute. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by CTO. What great news for donors to the Catholic Tuition Organization. You now receive 75% of your donation back in Iowa tax credits. Your support has helped thousands of students attend our Catholic schools. Best gift ever. Online. CTOIowa.org. At CTO, the bottom line, it's for the kids and their future.
1: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences, where you can chart your course for more. Mercy College provides unparalleled clinical rotations, hands-on learning, accelerated education, and flexible schedules. Since 1899, Mercy College has been transforming students into healthcare professionals. Guided by Catholic values, our faculty put classroom theory into practice. Students are prepared for roles in service and leadership throughout their own careers. Learn more at mchs.edu. Mercy College of Health Sciences, mchs.edu
0: and we're back you are to faith on trial and i catholic radio gina very interesting interview today
2: well oh, i'm so glad that you found the lex rex institute yes. Alec- alexander is a, a wonderful host he, he explains these cases so well um, and i love the that's, fact what a, that's
0: what an attorney supposed to be able to do well, <laughs> when gonna, you can explain your case well you're on the road to winning when you can't do that as I, i've been in court before with And I've had that problem myself, but with other attorneys that just can't get out what they're trying to prove.
2: Yeah, as a non-attorney, I understood exactly what these cases were about. Mm -hmm. So that was really um, a a good good information to to get today. I also like the fact I'm going to check out that constitutional podcast that they produce, and I think maybe I'll forward to a few elected officials to uh, follow because I wonder sometimes if those people we elect actually understand the United States Constitution.
0: Yeah, I don't think they do very well, especially the Bill of Rights. You know, we see this all the time, um, cases that come up and we have, uh, people don't know anything about uh, search and seizure and, and all that. Well, just with the stuff with uh, Trump and his, his, the raid on his house, you know. <laughs> is that proper? You know, yeah. what people don't realize is that a generalized warrant is not allowed in the United States. Right. And that's basically what that warrant that's was part of the Constitution, and so, and so yeah. that's going to be a, a point of litigation for everybody as uh, as things go. And uh, again, uh, the First Amendment's right of freedom of the press, speech, religion, all that kind of goes over everybody's head anymore.
2: That's right. Well, and our Supreme Court has kind of been nullifying some of that. Those rights over the course of the last few years, yeah, but it's changing. Seem to, there but seem to be coming back, trending now. back, tend to be trending back. So will uh,
0: we'll be able to. to
2: I think to it's do interesting w- that the Gavel Project out of Phoenix was um, able to find the, uh, Chelsea the support with lawyers in her state, California, mm-hmm. and and I learned something new today that they actually were able to fund. That legal, process. yeah, that is
0: nice. That is nice when when you have somebody that can help do that. Now the Lex Rex organization, they were completely mm-hmm. under the radar for me, and we've been doing this what six right. years, right? And uh, we've not we'll heard continue of them before. to find more. Yeah, like we'll that. find yeah. more yeah. of them, which is one of the reasons maybe why we haven't had Brad back because when we started six years ago, uh, there were very few people out there doing this. Sure, Alliance and now there are so many more. Sure. And, uh, and they're new ones all the time, and they have different angles and new things, and we're glad we met up with this guy. It's well, and it, may,
2: it helps me to know that there is quite a bit of um, an attack on our religious liberties and, our, and the social morality of our country.
0: Yeah, well, social morality, don't get me started on that. That's yeah. a whole nother thing. I think we're just about out of time now, so let's uh, end with our Defender's Prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, bear protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week when we have another edition of Faith on Trial. In the meantime, have a blessed and peaceful Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic
1: Radio app.